Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Out. Talk Recorded live. Oh, there it is. Okay. Um, oh, I see Oregon. That must be Amy Ching. Yes? Yes, this is Amy. Oh. Hi, Pastor. Oh, good. Hi. Welcome to the call. All Thank right. Um, let's see. How about um, Donna, would you mind opening us up in prayer, please? Um, if it was okay that I would pass today, Pastor. Um, that you already did it a good before. afternoon for me, so um, if I... If that oh, would be okay oh, oh, certainly. I'm so sorry. It's not been a good day for you. Um, let's see. How about um, Marcy? Can you open us in prayer, please? Did you say Marcy or Mercy? <laughs> Marcy. <laughs> oh, Mercy. Have I, oh, God, have mercy on all of us. <laughs> Let me just thank you so much for the ability to get together and talk and to have questions sent in and answered. Just bless all of us on the call and all of us that are not. We have life that goes on and bless peace and comfort for all of those, all of us. And may we get a better understanding of what you have for us through these questions. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and get right into it, and then we'll take some more names of people who are coming on the call as we go along. Um, we'll take a little break and get everybody else's name. Um, okay, this is Sarah Lynn's question. She asks, during practice, one of the dancers keeps modifying your choreography to suit herself, and she's changing things for all the other dancers, too. How do you handle this situation? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Poor Sarah. Oh, dear. She's having a warfare over there. Um, a lot of the questions she has are, you know, they're tough. Um, what, um, let's see, who would like to try to tackle that? Like what, what you would do if you had somebody who obviously doesn't respect authority, she doesn't respect that Sarah's a leader, um, so she's changing things and then she's encouraging others to change the choreography and things like that. So um, she's asking, how would you handle that? <clears throat> Anybody? Well, I guess, Pastor Lynn, the thing that mm-hmm. you would probably want to do first is to just, you know, either have her come in early or see if she can stay after late. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, what the issue might be for her and why is it such a struggle to stay on course and, you know, mm-hmm. in your, in your, um, I'm looking for the dance, dance, dance book. There's, you know, things in there that sort of explain stuff like that. And, you know, I just, besides prayer and saying, okay, you know, what's going on? Maybe she needs the attention and that's she can get the attention. So, you know, the one-on-one with her, I think, would probably be before or after class or 
another time if she couldn't do it just to find out mm-hmm. what's going on. You know? Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's good. I mean, it does. It sounds kind of like an authority issue, or and you know, an, or a pride could be a pride issue, because it sounds like she feels like she can do better than the appointed leader. Um, you know, and some a lot of times in churches, um, even though um, a pastor chooses a certain leader who may be more spiritual, they may not be. Uh, they may not be the best dancer or whatever. I'm not saying Sarah's not a good dancer. I'm saying that sometimes leadership will put people in positions of leadership who don't necessarily have the um, skills, but they have the spiritual authority. And so the church leaders are more interested in having somebody in leadership who is more mature spiritually than somebody who is more skilled physically. So this person may be feeling like, you know, she's more skilled physically, but Sarah's been put in place um, because she's a leader spiritually. Uh, Her parents, I think, are pastors of the church even, and she's filled in as pastor before. So she's got, Sarah's got more spiritual authority, and that's why she's been placed there. So I don't know how, one thing that um, she may be able to do is talk to her pastor, which I believe is her parents, about it. And a lot of times when something comes down from the head, if it comes from the pastor, it automatically carries a lot of weight and the congregation hears it. And so if the pastor were perhaps to um, make some kind of declaration, proclamation, announcement, even an anointing service, something to um, show the congregation that he has felt led by God to choose Sarah Lynn to, um, you know, be the appointed leader and that if you have questions about dance ministry, be sure to see Sarah. So sometimes um, having that word come forth from the pulpit um, it it kind of quells the um, disrespect. So if if people know that somebody's put in authority by the authority of the house, then they tend to receive a little more respect. Um, and then if that doesn't work, you definitely want to you know address it somehow, tactfully, lovingly. Um, you know maybe pull her aside or, you know, later on, like Marcy said, talk to her before or after and maybe ask her, um, you know, if you have some suggestions of things that you think might go better, if you could address me as a leader, um, like before or after practice so that we can be in one accord and, you know, I can I can go ahead and show the people that or or I could call you up and ask you at that point to you know, show some changes. And that way everything is in good order. So aside from that, I don't know. Um, That's pretty sticky. But anyway, all right, let's go on. The next question. Okay, this is Abigail's question. What are everyone's favorite warfare songs? Certain songs are great for ministry, worship, praise, et cetera. I'm looking for ones when you dance 
to them, you really know that and, and can feel that you are doing battle and are winning, of course. Um, I, I like to use right now, um, taking it all back, or I, take, I want it all back, I think, by um, Ty Tribbett. That's my latest one. And then, of course, the Having Done All CD, which is the Warfare drumbeat you know, that I have, um, like with the one of everything pack, it's all just instrumental, but it's a powerful drum beat. And so do you guys know of some other, like, really good warfare songs these could suggest to her? <clears throat> I know there's C.C. Winans, Waging War. Um, oh, what are some other ones? Can y'all think of some? Um, sorry, I'm looking at my iPad to see the name of it. There's a um, there's an artist whose name is Bishop Douglas. Hang on, I'm pulling it up right now. And he has one called Captain of War. They're very um, they come right out of scripture, and one called Pulling Down Strongholds. Oh, so wow. let me um, Bishop H Curtis Douglas. Yeah, so Captain of Wars, um, and another one is and then the other one is Pulling Down Strongholds. And the what it's called um, Scriptures in Song is the name of the DVD. And again, it's wow. Bishop H. Curtis Douglas. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Would you do us a favor and maybe post that on maybe sure. the level yes. one on the level one page so that everybody yep. could see it? That'd be mm-hmm. awesome. Thank you. Yep. Um, all right. Um, we're going to go to Dr. Allison on Young Wu's questions. Um, how do you handle church members who complain about a dancer's skill level and state that she does not know what she's doing, especially when all the dance team members are beginners and should not be compared to me? Okay. Hmm. Um, so anybody want to comment on that? How do you handle or talk with or respond to a church member who complains about the skill level of all the other dancers in your group? Oh, my. You guys are quiet tonight. Okay, I'll start picking on people. Um, Let's see. Um, How about Shakara? Um, Can you comment on that, please? Even if you've not experienced it, like what you might say. Um, I guess I would say that, well, I, I would, I would let that person know that like a team wouldn't be a team if everybody was the same. Um, like everybody had the same amount of skill and it, it, I mean, it is a very relevant question for me because, um, our adult team just started at the worship Academy and I have like, some a few um of the older ladies I have different ages. Like I have two older ladies and then a lady one lady that's heavy set. And um she really feels like less than when she's around the other ones. And it was really hard for me for a second because I wanted to gauge some of the other ones to see like what, what can we do? Let's just do Tandus, let's do Dega J's, let's let's go through and figure out what we can do and what we can't do. Like there weren't auditions or anything like that. It was just for me to know, like not to exclude people, but to figure out what we can work on. Um right. and so by even doing that, just like we were doing core working for like 
of course, you got some younger ones that are just, like, pushing them out. And then, like, we only went up to 20. And it was just, like, watching her face, I just told myself it was my job as the leader to tailor to her for that moment. Um mm-hmm to let her know, like, where you clock out is where you clock out. But the the first step to getting better is the realizing where you are and what you need to work on. Um, so uh-huh. if I had, like, the a prideful one that kind of felt like, well, I'm here and everybody else needs to raise the bar, I would let them know, like, the fact that you have a raised bar is more the reason you should be helping, not criticizing. Um, you should be more of an asset to the team, not somebody that's being critical. Um, So I'll probably find a real friendly way to say that (laughs) and try to figure out a way like how can, well, how can you, how can, what is your strong points and how can you help others' weak points? Um, Because other than that, if it got to the point that that person was making other people feel bad, then I would have to like boldly address it. Um, and then make a blanket statement maybe, too. If you make a blanket statement to the team that it's not all about skill level, um, I'm looking more for the heart because that's what God is looking for. Um, if you make those blanket statements to the team, sometimes you can, that person will fall back with um, the negative vibes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really awesome. Um, but what about somebody in the congregation who comes to the dance leader Say somebody saw you guys dance and they came to you after the dance and said, gee whiz, you know, all your girls are a mess. Not that they are, they're not. But, you know, I'm just saying this is what the church member was saying to um, Allison. Basically, you know, your girls don't have any skill. They don't know what they're doing up there. You're the only one that knows what you're doing. So Allison is asking, how do you talk to that that church member who saw y'all dance? Oh, see, <laughs> for one, I mean, for one, in my mind, the first thing that jumps is, like, who gives that person the authority to approach me, <laughs> like, to approach her um, about the dance team? Like, they're not a member of the dance team or probably have nothing to do with it, and those are the people who normally have the most opinion, um, mm-hmm. are the people who have their hands not even involved. So I would say if Allison doesn't feel comfortable addressing it herself, I would go to the leader. Um, ask the leader to, um, like, basically either talk to that individual or make some statement, like you said before, um, that basically what goes on on the dance team is up to Allison um, because she's the one who answers for the team. So extra other stuff, if they're not involved with the dance ministry, then it's kind of like not their business. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. ask, ask the feeling like they – I don't know. I guess I'm not that type of person to feel like I can put my, my thoughts and interject my own opinions mm-hmm. into other people's business. So to, to me, I'm like, how do people get bold enough to I know. Uh, insert their opinion on things that they have nothing to do with? I know. Yeah. Um, I, yes, go ahead. This is Regina. I would, I would, hello. <laughs> I would actually turn it back on the person and ask them, um, are you playing for the group? Are you oh, playing with you know, mm-hmm. what what is what are the things that you want to see? Those are the things you should be praying for and helping us to grow in those areas. Mm, mhm. Yeah. No, that's good. Mhm. Yeah. No, that's that's good. I think that's a good answer right there. <laughs> Let's go on to the next one. <laughs> um how do you handle yourself when you feel that your spiritual growth has surpassed the level of your present congregation? I perceive that when I was asked to join the 
oh, I perceived that when I was asked to join the church. First Lady encouraged me to join anyway and said that they would get there, that the congregation would get there. Um, well, they did. But since growing in the dance trim school, I am now on another level. It seems like my ideas, when presented, are not fitting in with my elderly leadership ideas. Um, yeah, I would, I would just have patience um, with the leadership in the church and just continue to pray. Um, you know, it's kind of like if I were to visit a church that was, um, what do you call it, um, but like they don't move in the gifts of the Spirit. I forget, I can't think of the word right now. But, um, you know, they don't raise their hands or they don't speak in tongues and things like that. So if I were to go into and visit that church, I would never, you know, blatantly just raise my hands and start speaking in tongues because it disrespects the authority in the house. And um, so I would, you know, kind of go with the flow, as it were, and just pray. If I were called to that church, again, I would never, you know, blatantly just come out and start dancing in the aisles or raising my hands or speaking in tongues or something because I respect where they are spiritually. I respect where they are in their walk with the Lord and their understanding of the word. And if I'm called to that particular church, I would just, you know, wait and pray and, you know, see what is my purpose there? Why am I there? And that kind of thing. So it's, you know, whenever we try to push an opinion or a knowledge or a revelation or an understanding that we might have on somebody or a group of people that do not have that revelation, often we'll be met with conflict or, you know, a brick wall or, you know, because they're, they're simply not ready for it. And, you know, that's okay. It's, it's okay. If that's where they are, spiritually, that's where they are. If that's their understanding, that's their understanding. And, um, you know, if, if you're not the pastor or an elder in the church or something or somebody with, um, you know, higher authority in the church, then there's really no place to make that kind of a change. Um, you know, especially if, they've been established in doing something for many, many, many generations. Um, it's it's not our place to try to change what is the norm for them. But you can, you know, pray for them and, and you know, uh, maybe talk to a talk to the first lady in a loving way and she yeah, I've just learned this. This is really awesome. You know, how do you feel about that? You know, or something. Um, just something very casual, not in a way where, you know, I think I think you, you know, I think you should. It's um, so. Um, I guess I would say just have patience and pray and seek the Lord and, you know, <clears throat> see what your purpose is in that church. Why are you called to that particular church? Why does God have you there? What is the purpose? And um, if it is not necessarily to bring uh, change, it, it could be for. Um, you know, maybe to serve, to to gain more knowledge of the word, to hear to hear the word and apply it, to you know, be head of you know committees or who knows, you know what what God has for us in particular church settings. 
Um, so um, anyway, I hope I'm making sense. All right, let's let's go on to another one. Um, okay, this is Marcy Gar's question. Um, what is the best way to teach young groups, say from three to seven years old? That is what I was asked to do. Yikes! <laughs> oh, bless your heart. Um, but, well, um, I would. I mean, if I were asked to do that, I would make the practice time shorter. You don't want to drag it out, maybe not even an hour. You know, you might want to just do, you've got quite a, quite a change in personality growth or, you know, they're, um, like a three-year-old is way, way different than a seven-year-old. A three-year-old is, all, is closer to a baby than it is to a 10-year-old. And a seven-year-old is closer to a 10-year-old than they are a toddler. So that age range is is kind of, is kind of wide. Um, you might even want to consider having a little half-hour class for the three to five-year-olds, and maybe have a 40-minute or 45-minute class for say um, six to eight-year-olds or something like that, um, because the three to seven is a big, big, wide range of you know, physical, mental, emotional growth. And um, it would be very difficult for a three-year-old to comprehend and stick with the concepts that you could give a seven-year-old. So um, so I would try to divide that up a little bit and see if you can have a really short class for the three-year-olds, like maybe 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes before you have the other class for the older kids or something because um, they'll be different. Now, when you're actually doing the class, um, you know, I would open with prayer and maybe play some worship songs that, you know, kids like. You know, kids, I know, we used to have kids praise when my daughter was little. I don't know what they have now, but I'm sure they have children's praise music or something and maybe lead them in some, you know, simple praise movements. Maybe teach them expressive sign. Um, maybe... <clears throat> get some uh, very, very small pieces of material like billow cloths and teach them billow things. And, and if you have a dance, maybe just teach them like eight counts of it one week and maybe 16 counts of it the next week or something like that. But you don't want to give them a whole lot. Um, and then, you know, maybe some stretches and, um, you know, closing in prayer. But I would keep it really simple. But one thing I've learned in teaching children, which hasn't been that much, but is to keep them going, keep them moving all the time, or at least you be teaching all the time and having them involved like constantly. If you pause too long or don't play the music, they'll end up talking, and it's kind of hard to, you know, get their attention back. Um, you know, unless they're um, more mature, six and seven year olds or whatever. But <clears throat> anyway. It's my take on it. I haven't taught a lot of children, but that's what I've learned over any time that I've had. Um, does anybody else want to share? Amy, I know you've worked with children. Regina, I know you've worked with children. I don't know who else. This, okay. is, this is Regina. Uh, I was actually going to tell her to look at get, looking into getting Amy's um, book. Oh, <laughs> yes. She's looking at a DVD because I've been looking at that and studying that, and that's a pretty good resource for teaching children. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's good. Thank you. And I would have given the same answer you did, Pastor Uh Break it up into smaller groups. That's a really difficult combination, three to seven. So I thought your answer was perfect. Oh, okay. Thank you. Good. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, they're very, very different in um, maturity level. But all right. Um, let's move on to oh. Allison's fifth and sixth questions. Um, when preparing dance uniforms for dancers, when should you wear shoes and when bare feet? Um, well, it kind of depends. I know in one of my books, I mentioned something about you shouldn't wear bare feet with a dress, but that that only came out of, uh, we used to dance barefoot all the time because I couldn't stand wearing shoes. And you know, so we got used to dancing barefooted. I mean, no matter what we were wearing, if it was a beautiful long worship dress or if it was pants and a tunic, I mean, no matter what we wore, we always were barefooted um, because I like I like dancing barefooted. But one this one particular time, um, somebody had taken a photograph of my entire team. We were all wearing white skirts that came to about our shins. And then we had the cut-off um, white, tights and bare feet and in the picture it was like everybody was just beautiful up on top and and on down the skirt it was like oh everybody was great and then all of a sudden it was like we're chopped off at the ankle and um it just didn't look good and then I had heard somewhere that if you wear pink tights and pink ballet slippers that it actually um makes your legs appear to be thinner you know when you wear white against a dark background it makes your legs look stocky and then if you chop it off at the ankle with like ankle tights and then bare feet it just has a chopped up kind of appearance and all that is so subtle and it's it's not written in stone and you know um like right now i wear those like paws um, either I'm barefooted in class or wear the paws, and if I minister, I'm usually barefooted or wear the paws on my feet. I still don't like wearing ballet slippers. Um, I mean, I'll wear them if I have to to ballet class, but that's about it. Um, <clears throat> I think if I were to do a, a real official presentation in a big church or something, I would probably wear pink tights and ballet slippers, whether I'm wearing pants or a skirt, only because it's a nice line. It's not chopped off, um, but that's that's just me. It's not written in stone. I would just do what you're comfortable with. Um, that's now, if you're wearing pants or or um, uh, palazzo pants or something like that, you know, bare feet is is perfectly fine. Um, so I would just wear what you're comfortable with. If you're wearing black tights and black leotards, you know, and then your garments, I would wear black ballet shoes. Um, or, or bare feet. It's not really a big deal. Um, but And if you're wearing white, a white outfit, um, and you're wearing white tights, I would wear white shoes, pink tights, pink shoes, flesh-toned tights, you know, flesh-toned shoes, or bare feet. Um, so it's, it's really up to you. All I was saying is that pink ballet tights and pink ballet slippers tend to give a nice appearance. It's a, it's a nice clean lines, um, that's all. But it's not written in stone. 
or just, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. And then next question is, um, which are the best poles for, for use with large flags, wooden or fiberglass poles? How durable are the telescopic poles? Um, I'm, I'm sorry I'm answering these questions, but there are just so many that I'm just going to, I'm trying to move along quickly, but I'll, I'll pause and ask you guys, you know, periodically, but I'm, I'm just trying to, we've got so many questions. So um, I had a telescopic pole that was like plastic, and it was great. It's perfect for those very lightweight silk flags. Um, I think my flag was like eight feet long and about maybe 36 inches tall, and the telescopic pole was great for that. Um, it's The pole itself is lightweight. It, you know, it just works great. Um, I would say for silk flags, um, if possible, I would do the fiberglass or plastic you know, or whatever that material it is made out of, the lightweight um, kind of material. Wooden poles for a very large, large flag tend to be kind of heavy. Um, I mean, a large flag, depending on the material, might be heavy anyway, but if you have a wooden pole um, and you're doing flags for a long time, I mean, unless you really want to build up your muscles, they, they can be very tiring. Um, so I would say the, the lighter weight poles um, the better. So um, that's good. All right. Let's go on to Debbie Collier's question. Um, sometimes when I work on choreography, after playing the song over and over again and practicing to the same song over and over again, I sometimes become a little tired or bored. Even though I may have had a fervor for the song and the dance in the beginning, repeatedly dancing and wearing Hearing the song many times sometimes makes my enthusiasm wane. The question is, how do I keep my passion and fervor for repeated playing of a song and rehearsing the same dance over and over again? Um, I would possibly consider having an another song. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe set that one aside for a little while. Maybe maybe it's time to you know, try another song. You know, there's nothing wrong with having several songs in your back pocket, so to speak. Um, and, you know, you should always have that that passion and fervor for any kind of worship dance that you're going to do. And if you don't have that, it could, it could mean that it's time to, you know, maybe put it on the shelf, even if it's just for a little while, and try something fresh and, you know, listen to that one over and over again. <laughs> so um, I used to listen to probably, you know, four or five songs all year. <laughs> That's all I would listen to. It's just those four or five songs that I was going to dance to. Um, but I never got tired of it. You know, other people around me used to get tired of hearing the song, but, you know, I never I never got tired of them ever um, because I knew that I knew that I knew that I was supposed to do that, you know, in this season or that season. So, um if if you're losing that passion or fervor, I would say try another song, and you know then come back to that one. Ask the Lord when, you know, um, you know He'll probably put it in your spirit to do it again. You'll probably just you know start singing it or or just have a desire to do that or something, and then it'll be fresh again. So anybody else want to comment on that? I don't I don't feel bad. You know, just pipe right up. 
Well, just real quickly, I wouldn't take it. I mean, I feel that way at some point whenever I'm preparing a dance. Like, oh, I've heard this so many times. So, and I also, for me, it's part of the process, and it doesn't mean that when it comes time to worship, my heart isn't in it. But for me, that's mm-hmm. just part of the repetitiveness of it. So just another perspective uh-huh. on it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, there's, there's one song that I do a lot when I teach about prophetic dance at a conference. It's, it's this particular song, it just really ministers all the time. Every single time I do it, it always people always get touched and ministered to. And um, I guess I had thought, not that I was tired of doing that song, but I wondered if it was time to just do something else. But I have to remember that I see new people all the time, so it's, it's fresh to them. Um, so um, anyway, all right, um, this is Lisa Normandia's question. I have been at my church now for one year. The church attendance has been decreasing for the past nine years due to the leadership. I am a leader to a dance ministry that still does not have any members because of the situation. I myself am starting to feel like I would like to move on and seek another church. Has anyone ever experienced the situation and how do you know when it's time to move on, especially that the leadership has not changed their ways? Um, Has anybody ever experienced something like that? Or if not, what would you suggest? How about Janine? What do you think? Janine, you, yeah, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Could you repeat the question? Sure. She said um, she's been at her church for a year now. <clears throat> the church attendance has been decreasing for the past nine years because of the leadership. She's over the dance ministry, but don't have any. She doesn't have any members of the dance ministry because of this declining situation in the church. She herself is starting to feel like um, she'd like to move on and seek another church. But she's wondering if anybody has ever experienced this situation, and how do you know when it's time to move on, especially that the leadership has not changed their ways? So. Um. I had a similar situation like that. We we really struggle with it because we were members for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. And there was no change. And, of course, we were losing people. And, and it was really, really hard for us. Mm-hmm. But we prayed about it for over a year. My husband and I were in agreement. Mm-hmm. And we we had decided... It was like, I don't know how to explain it, but there's like a release in the spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we had gone to another church, and we were seeking an answer from the Lord, and they specifically, um, the pastor didn't know he was talking to us, but but he had encouraged, if you were leaving a place, encouraged us to go back, humble ourselves, and ask for them to send us so where right. we felt like we were supposed to go. Uh-huh. And I, yep. I am 
so thankful that we did that because we left in peace. Yep. And we kept all those relationships intact. Mm-hmm. We fellowship with those guys now. We're in ministry. You know, we're in a different church, but but that part of it, leaving and having them send you, mm-hmm. it is. I just don't know. It is just so incredibly important for you exactly. to do that. And and your heart will disconnect with that church. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. a spiritual thing. Yeah, exactly. No, that's excellent. I'm glad you said that because I had forgotten about that, that, you know, our pastors used to do that when somebody felt like it was time to go or whatever. He would, he and his wife, his pastor and his wife, would send people out. And then it was it was done in front of the entire congregation and everybody was right. blessed and, you know, and it really was a spiritual break in a good way. So, right. yeah. That's that's excellent. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, okay, this is uh, Amelia's question. What happens when you have been dancing in ministry for about three years? You are ministering in a dance ministry and have taken classes and still don't feel confident enough when it comes to creating dances. So you ask others for help when creating dance. Uh, let's see. So you ask others for help when creating dances to minister to. Oh, she must mean, so do you ask others for help? Um, yeah, I don't see any reason why you couldn't ask somebody to help, but um, does anybody want to share with with her about confidence? in? Because um, I know she does great. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes we, we tend to, we're always hardest on ourselves, you know, we've look at our own photographs and say, oh, my gosh, look at that wrinkle or look at this or that, you know, or, or we feel like we're just not adequate and different. I mean, we all kind of go through that sometimes, but um, I don't know. Would it, how would somebody somebody want to encourage her? Pastor Lynn? Yes. I think part of um, what we have to remember, and this is really huge for me, is the blessings that what we have done, especially in school. You know, we do the Mm -hmm. uploads and Mm -hmm. people are touched and we think we're not good enough, but yet somebody comments and says, wow, you know. Exactly. You know, Mm -hmm. know, confidence in yourself. If you've done it once for whatever the you can do it again in your dance ministry, in your school, in in the in the church, whatever it is, because mm-hmm. I think I believe that that's the enemy saying you're not worth it, you don't deserve it, and that's a lie, because right. we all do. Uh huh. Exactly. Mhm. I mean, we all do. I still feel that way. Like I'll see somebody with a huge dance ministry, and I think, oh gosh, they're so successful, and this and that, and I think, oh well, you know, my conference only had twenty five people or something. You know, I mean, I get in the bully group sometimes, you know, and and um, and then I had this friend, an elder from another church. She came over for a couple of days this weekend, and she so encouraged me. You know, it was like, oh really? You think that? <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, I'm doing okay. <laughs> So, you know, it's like we all go through that, um, but it, it's true. If the enemy gets in there and, and tries to make us feel like we're, you know, not good and, you know, but God knows different. So, 
so do we, but we don't listen to God through us. We listen to the world, and that's not what we're supposed to listen to. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, this is Valeska's question. Where can I buy affordable fabric to make the wardrobe for the dance team? Any excuse me. Any suggestions are greatly appreciated. Um, excuse me. Does anybody know where you can get discounted fabric? I mean, aside from getting the forty percent off coupons at Joann's, is there you know some place that that you can get very inexpensive fabric? There's a place in Springfield, Massachusetts that's called Osgoods. When they have mm. sales, my goodness, they have sales. They are incredible. Oh, yeah. Huh. yeah. It's mm. Osgoods in West Springfield, Springfield or West Springfield, Massachusetts. Mm. And I went to the who I went to the retreat with last year, and it was amazing. Um, and even the prices are not that bad because it's such a big store, and it's, all it is is material. Oh my gosh! Wow. But <clears throat> did they? Well, I guess you'd have to actually go there, huh? You couldn't buy online. Uh, yes, they would. I think they have an online thing that you can check it out a little bit, but there's really not much unless you go there. So if you're around Massachusetts, that's what I suggest. Yeah. But other than, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's great. What I, what I have done from looking for material is going <laughs> to the army and finding curtains. I was just going to suggest that. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. That's awesome. Excellent. Yeah, they have Goodwill and Salvation Army and places like that. Secondhand stores. You can buy curtains so inexpensively, and they make great flags. You can make costumes out of them. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been looking stores two, three, four X dresses, gowns, and those will uh-huh. be the same. Oh, kind that's of great. Uh-huh. And then, because usually it's silk or satin or something that you can mm-hmm. tune it or a, you know, stall overthrow thing or something to do when, with a belt with it because they're so big. So wow. lots of ideas. Oh, that's a good idea. Wow. Thank you. Pastor Lynn? Mm-hmm. This is Christine Kovacs. Oh, hey. Welcome to the call. Hi. I've been on for a while. I just don't want to <laughs> interrupt. Sure, <laughs> but sure. I, yeah, I think there was some discussion on the Level 1 um, post on Facebook about silk essence. Is that a fabric? I think it's called mm-hmm. silk essence. Yes. And someone posted a place that you can buy online. Oh, so um, I'm not close to my computer, otherwise I would give you the name, but it is on Level 1. Mm-hmm. And, it would be um, probably near Diane Gallup's upload, when she did a billow cloth upload. Yeah, and I believe Renee Gagnon, is that how you say uh-huh. your name? Had uh-huh. uh, posted on that one too. Mm. So um, I think, she, I don't know if she's the one that mentioned the company or not. So I just mm. thought I'd add that. Thank you. Yeah. All my costumes and all my team members' costumes back in the 90s, we all wore silk outfits. It just, it, it flows so easily and it sews easily. Um, and, and it's not that expensive, especially if you get it on sale. And they come in beautiful colors, every color you could dream of, practically. It's so nice. But, um, yes, yeah, I haven't 
seen that many garments anymore made out of such essence, but it's a wonderful material, um, not just for flags or billows, but for garments. Um, we used to make, you know, the circle skirts with the elastic waistband, and we'd make, you know, tunics to go over top, and it's really, really nice material. And when you dance or you twirl, it just flows. It, like, flutters. It's very nice. That's um, Joanne. This is Donna. Um, can you buy that kind of thing at Joanne's Fabrics? You should be able to. I mean, we always okay. do it at Joanne's. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, okay. now I, didn't, I haven't bought it in years, but, I mean, I can't imagine that it wouldn't be there. So, okay. yeah. Uh-huh. All right. This is Shakara's question. Are there any dance uh, genres or styles that you have found not suitable or ideal for worship dance or to be done in a church setting. Um, anybody? Has anybody seen or know of or can think of um, any dance styles or genres that would not be suitable for worship dance or to be done in a church? I mean, I could think of, you know, hip-hop that is, like, mm, very worldly. Um, You know, some kinds of jazz dances is very worldly. Um, What else? Um, I mean, anything that doesn't glorify God, you wouldn't want to have in church. Um, If... I mean, you can do hip-hop in church if it's church-friendly, you know, kind of like the pizzazz, or if it's done kind of in the reference frame of of warfare. You know, I've seen youth teams dressed in uh, army fatigues and boots and that, and they did like a hip-hop dance that, you know, was not worldly at all. It was very much, you know, kind of like warfare and it and it glorified God and it was fun for the kids. So, you know, there's that kind of hip hop. And then there's the kind of hip hop that I don't know, it's I've only seen glimpses of it maybe on a commercial or something. But you know, the there's bad kind of hip hop that's <laughs> not appropriate for church. So um I mean you would be able to know the difference. I'm pretty sure um, can you think of any other styles that wouldn't be appropriate for church? Yes, and then this is Regina. <laughs> oh, hey, Regina. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would just say anything that has too much gyration in it shouldn't be done in church. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, you know, that's what I meant by worldly. You know, just anything that's seductive or gyrating or shoulders or, you know, seductive mm-hmm. kind of moves or anything. Yeah, you don't want that. Um so, all right. You have um, always, Jolene, the clothes to go along with that shouldn't be see-through, should be very modest in layers. And oh, if you have to of dance to do, you probably shouldn't do it. Uh-huh. Yeah. If you have to, like, really think, well, will this be okay or will it not be okay? And it'll probably not be okay because you have to think about it more than once or twice. And it's like, mm, probably shouldn't do it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, this is Wendy Smith's question. Is it okay to pull clips and pictures of past dances and teachings and experiences to use in your uploads? Um, 
Sure, you can use it as examples uh, as long as you're whatever it is you're choreographing or whatever your upload um, assignment is, as long as you do that and, you know, can pull up the pictures and things um, just to show as an example. Um, like for uh, choreography dance, choreographed dances, dance composition, things like that, of course you are, all have already done that, I suppose, but um, you want to choreograph whatever it is or do the dance composition assignment um, specifically for the assignment. In other words, you don't want to take a, um, a dance you did last year and say, oh, well, I can do that for the upload and, um, you know, I'll just point out some concepts that are in that dance that we did last year. The idea of the choreography and the composition assignments were to take the concepts from the book really um, think them through, understand them, and then apply them to a dance that you're choreographing so that you include whatever it is that you're um, saying, you know, in the choreography. And you all did fantastic with that. And I don't think that's what Wendy's talking about. She's talking about just adding, you know, some pictures and some other um, teachings or whatever kind of clipped in, you know, for an extra example, um, you know, in addition to, whatever it is that you're you're working on. So yeah, that's fine. Um, okay, this is Rosemary Knox's question. Today some well, let me um see who else is on the line. We'll take a, a quickie little break here and see who else might be on the line who hasn't said hello yet. Um, I got Regina and I got Christine Kovacs. Um, is there anybody else that came on the line that we haven't said hello to yet? Valicia McFarlane. Oh, hi, Valicia. Hi. Hey, welcome to the call. Let's see, there she is. Okay. Oh, I think I already checked my And Lisa Mendia. Oh, Lisa. Oh, good. Welcome to the call. There you are. All right. There she is. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Oh, somebody's just getting off mute, I think. No? We got everybody? All right. Um, this is Rosemary Knox's question. Okay, today some see dance in the church as a form of entertainment and do not fully understand we are to minister the Father's heart. Are we at fault as dance ministers when we see a dance ministry perform in church as if it was entertainment and do nothing about it? Are we to sit and do nothing or approach and try to teach what is truly ministering? Huh. Okay, who would like to tackle that one? If you see it, um, well, let's see, I guess, does she mean she visited another church? Today, some see dance in churches for entertainment. Okay, we, are we at fault, the dance ministers, when we see dance ministers? Okay, so she must have visited somewhere. Okay, so if you go somewhere and you see dance ministry, as a performance and a, a form of entertainment, should you do something about it or just let it go, um, or try to teach or try to teach those people what you know um, about ministry and dance? Would somebody like to um, share about that? Um, Pastor, and this is Regina. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, well, regarding going to somewhere else, I wouldn't necessarily speak to the 
particular people that were doing the dance. But I know I took a group of um, dancers from our, our ministry to a concert that had people presenting from different churches, different groups, um, mm-hmm. events, co- um, concerts. And mm-hmm. when we finished, the, when the concert was over, it was like a teaching moment for my group because I wanted to ask, I had a dialogue with them and asked them, okay, out of the dancers, which one do you think was just a performance and which one actually touched the hearts of people and actually was a ministry? Mm-hmm. It was ministering. And so they were actually able to, to discern between the ones that were just, it was, a, it was a nice dance, but it didn't touch the hearts of the people. Mm-hmm. So aspect that's what, what I've done. But particularly to my church, every time we present, and my pastors have become very um, used to explaining to the congregation, this is not entertainment. When we're dancing and stuff, we're doing it for the glory of God. We're ministering, and we're wanting to for the the song to convict you, you know, so Mm -hmm. something in you, like, I connect with what they're doing, you know, Mm -hmm. and be back and say, oh, that's pretty, that's, oh, that's nice. No, but for you, it's to be just like you're receiving the message, the word. Mhm. Mhm. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah, and that's good that your pastor says that, because then it it really carries a lot of weight, you know, in the congregation. So that's good. Um. Anybody else? This is Amy. I I would not say something if I was visiting at a church, just because you don't know what their heart is, even if it comes across to you as a performance. You don't know that. And I just think of, you know, we went to a Catholic service with our friends from small group, and they didn't let us take communion. Well, as a guest, I just receive what they have to give. You know, that wasn't mm-hmm. my place to tell them, well, actually, mm-hmm. I am saved, and you should give me communion. You know, it's just, I think as a guest, that's not our place, but probably we have more effect if just as God opens doors for us to minister, that we either teach or do it in that heart, but, but that mm-hmm. we can be released from needing to correct um, correct people who aren't under our influence directly. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, we, we really don't, if we don't have authority in that house, then we really have no place to say anything. Um, yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. Um, and also, we don't know their heart. We don't know where they're coming from. I mean, whoever may be ministering a piece um, especially if it's, you know, like a worship-type dance or whatever, um, we don't know where their heart is for worship or how they worship or, you know, their relationship with God or what they've been through or anything. It's kind of like, it's like my backyard is a mess. It's, a, you know, it's a new house and there's new sods. And when I had, this will relate, it will make sense in a minute. When um, when I went through the walkthrough, it was so much information that my mind was swimming, and I didn't hear the contractor say that I need to get the people to spray for bugs right away. He he must have said it, although I did not hear him. And so chinch bugs and worms or whatever have been eating my lawn, and it's a mess. I mean, it's awful. There's weeds everywhere. I mean, it's so embarrassing. And the bug guy finally came over to my house, and to try to sell me all these plans, and he was so confusing, I was overwhelmed. I, I mean, it was like five different plans to choose from, and you got to have them all for your house, or else the bugs are going to take over kind of thing, you know. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, I don't know what to do. So 
the bug guy said that my neighbor, my next door neighbor, told him, you got to go over and help her. Her yard is a mess. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm so embarrassed, you know. And um, <laughs> But the neighbors don't know what I've been through. They, they don't know that I didn't know that I'm supposed to have the bug guy, you know. So here the neighbors are judging me uh, and my lawn, and they don't have all the facts. They don't know where I'm coming from. They don't know that it really bothers me that my yard looks a mess. You know, all they think perhaps is, oh, she doesn't care about her yard. <laughs> it's like, no, that is not the case. The bugs are taking over and it's a mess. And I, you know, so I'm now in the process of fixing my yard. You know, lived in condos and apartments all these years. I know nothing about taking care of a yard. But anyway, so the point is <laughs> that, you know, we may look at a dance. And we don't know what that dance team goes through. We don't know their prayer life. We don't know how they um, worship, how they pray. Um, you know, so we shouldn't necessarily judge. Um, and if we're not in authority in that particular house that is performing or whatever, um, we don't have any authority to say anything really. Um, so, I mean, the only the only thing we may be able to do is pray or, you know, talk to them and say, did you see that so-and-so dance? You know, that one that was so anointed. Oh, my goodness, you know. Um, and then they might think, you know. But anyway, um, so you all know I have a messy yard. <laughs> all right. This is um, Valicia's question. Would anyone like to share the name of their dance ministry? Any interesting stories of how that name came about or how the Lord led you to that name? That's a good question. Who would like to share um, the name of their dance ministry and how they came upon that? Don't be shy. Some of you are on mute. Good afternoon. Yes. This is Janine. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, the name of my ministry is Adoration in Motion. Mm. And the way I came about that is I had a prophetic word prophesied over me when I very first started. Mm-hmm. And so, and at first I was like, it took me a long time to let it sink in. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord showed me to begin to use that as the name of my ministry. It, was, wow. it all it came about through a prophetic word. Wow. You mean they said that what you will adore the Lord, or they said the name of your ministry is, or kind of what they said. They said um, what came, what they saw when I danced was adoration. In mm, the okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful. That's awesome. Wow. Anybody else um, have a story about how you got the name of your dance ministry? Not everybody has a quote-unquote dance ministry yet, but um, Shakara, what is the name of your dance ministry? Um, It's the Worship Academy. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, when when the Lord first gave me, like, the whole vis- vision and mission for it, 
Like I had all of the writings but no name. And mm-hmm. um <laughs> and so I was like, Okay and I started the group and the girls came to rehearse and of course by now I'm like, Well, we need a name so of course I looked at it and I'm like, Oh, I have these beautiful little girls and in my mind it was like I'm gonna come up with a name <laughs> and um, uh-huh. at first I was called them Princesses of Praise and I had this whole explanation as to how um, you know, God the Father is the king and you're his little princess. So in my mind it worked. That mm-hmm. was not so. <laughs> they danced they danced maybe one time as princesses of praise at like a, a prayer breakfast and that was it. Um uh-huh. then it was like I was in prayer, um and the Lord said, Who said I wouldn't send you boys? And I was like, oh, gosh. (laughs) So then, like, the Worship Academy Dance and Art Center, and I was trying to draw the logo that I saw. um, Mm -hmm. And it started to all come together, but I was still really hesitant about putting it out there because I'm like, the Worship Academy sounds like I have a bunch of students, and at that time I had three girls. And no lie, once I put out the Worship Academy, I started, I said, I'm going full on with it. I started the Facebook page and um, started doing the flyers when we went out to dance. And we grew from three kids to eight kids from eight to 24. And, I mean, we just keep growing now. And I look at it like I was putting sort of a limit on God because I just took his idea and tried to put my words with it. But that's my whole spiel on what happened. So don't be hesitant if God gives you something, even though you may see what you have now, um, mm-hmm. he sees in the future. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Amen. Oh, anybody else? Well, how I came up with Dancing for Him was back in the day, I didn't have email. In fact, I didn't even have a computer. I would write letters. I would type letters. And then I would sign it, dancing for him, when I'm Hayden. And um, so it just stuck. I mean, every time I would write a letter to somebody, I would just sign it, dancing for him. And so when it came time to name the ministry, it just, I mean, it was like, there it is. I mean, it just, it, it it was so easy because I was already doing that. I was already, I was dancing for him, and uh, and I kept signing the letters that way, and it just felt like the Lord wanted it to be the name. And um, I guess about maybe six years um, after I was in the ministry, people said, you know, you should change the name to Dancing for Jesus or Dancing for God or Dancing for the Lord or something like that because people don't know what who him is. And I said, well, you know, but I believe that's what God wanted me to keep, you know. And they said, no, you shouldn't do that because, you know, nobody's going to, they're going to associate you with something bad. <laughs> I'm like, well, no, you know, I think, I think I need to keep it that way. I mean, it just, I was convicted that that was what it was supposed to be. And um, shortly thereafter, a couple of years later, there came a ministry called Dancing for the Lord. And they're down in Miami, I think, and they're a huge ministry. But um, so, but, you know, I'm still stuck with Dancing for Him. I just felt like that's what it's supposed to be. And the H is capital, you know, even in the logo, it's lowercase letters, and then the H is capitalized, you know, in the logo. So, um, you know, most people can figure it out, especially when it says, like, Dancing for Him, worship, dance, workshops, you know. 
that kind of thing. So <clears throat> anyway, um, let's go ahead and move on. Um, let's see. We've got Denise Salo's question. Will we still have the option to attend an intensive conference even if we are not able to sign up for the level three CEI. I understood that we would still have to pay the full conference fee, but wondered if we would have that option available. The um, as a level as a I'm sorry, as an alumni after you graduate level two, uh, you are more than welcome to come to a regular Dancy for Him conference and you are welcome to come to the retreat. Part of part of the oh let me finish my sentence, but um, the level three CEI at the Dance for Him studio, that would only be for people who are actually registered in that particular um, level three CEI, continuing education intensive. So, um, uh, so yes to the conference and the retreat, but no to the, um, to the CEI in, in my home, um, you know, in my studio. <clears throat> so, um, I forgot what else I was going to say. But um, anyway, yeah, I'm still working on level three. Um, I got quite a bit in the last week or so, um, kind of divided it out according to, you know, this, this uh, there's like three continuing education intensives that need to be done within a three-year period from signing up. Um, <clears throat> and there's a one-year fast track which I believe would probably be pretty intense. And then, but you could take up to three years to complete all three of the CEIs. And um, there's like a certain number of credits. It's like point, point 0.5 credits for each course. And there's like 20.5 credits in each, um, or there's, yeah, 20.5 credits in each continuing education intensive m module but in order to get one credit um, for your level three school certificate, you have to have completed all three modules within a three three year period of time. So, um, and yeah, you you're welcome to some of the. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Some of the assignments will need to be done at a conference, and some some or one of the assignments will need to be done at one of the retreats and some of the assignments will need to be done at you know my studio here so there may be a little grace um, about coming to the studio for the for this local CEI because I can only do it once a year in January so not everybody can come you know in January, and I can only handle probably four people in the studio at a time. So um, anyway, but I'm still working out the details. So, but that's a good question. Um, all righty, let's see. And this is Marcy's question. Um, does level three need to be started next year? No, unlike level two that needs to be concurrent with level one, I think I said that correctly. Yeah, in other words, as soon as you finish level one, you have to do level two. You can't, like, skip two or three years and then come back and do level two. Um, if you're going to go on to level two, it would need to be done next year. Um, level three can be started anytime after you graduate. Um, let me rephrase that. It's going to start 
on the same time frame as the normal school year. In other words, you can only register for level three in January, <clears throat> and then it it has to be finished by October 24th, three years after you will have signed up. In other words, I don't want to have anything turned in between October and January. <laughs> so, I mean, you may be still working on, you know, one of your CEIs or something like that through during that time, but from October 24th through January 10th, um, you don't want to turn in anything. I don't want to see any assignments after October 24th because I'm preparing for the next year. I'm doing big projects and doing video, um, doing new videos and things like that. So, um, so there's going to be a lot of flexibility in the level three CEIs. Um, lots of flexibility about due dates and things like that. I'm going to give guidelines and suggested suggesting uh, suggest due dates, but you have lots and lots of liberty and latitude. Just don't turn anything in between October and January and you're good. Um, but your first um, CEI would need to be um, uh, signed up for and started in January 10th of any given year. Um, once you finish your first CEI, you're welcome to go on to your next, um, you know, number two CEI module um, anytime, you know, within that year. Um, and then you can do the third one, you know, basically anytime, as long as you sign up or finish anytime between January and October. And I'll go over in more detail of it, but no, you don't have to start it. It's not concurrent with level two. Because there's a lot of alumni that graduated many years ago, and they want to start level three. So, um, you know, and they've already graduated back in 2011 or 12 or something. So, um, yeah, you're fine. Uh, good question. Okay, um, and I'm still working on it. I'll have it all figured out by by January 9th. <laughs> so that it's just taking a long process. Okay, this is Lisa Marshall's question. Does the team meet outside of dance other than practice? If so, how often? How has this helped? Um, does anybody want to share if you are part of a team and you guys get together outside of practice some, and if so, how often, and how does it seem to help? Anybody? The teams that I was on, uh, we would get together like – maybe once a month to just have tea just so that we can get to know each other a little bit more and not have it be just so businessy businessy. Um mm -hmm. class. So either that or we would, you know, have a picnic and we had a picnic in my backyard one time for just the the ladies and their husbands, families uh -huh. and then just alone. Just so we had that one on one together outside of being dancing and all of that stuff, ministry mm -hmm. stuff, had fun. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's nice. Um, sounds like fun. It um, was a lot of fun. Else? Yeah, I bet. Does anybody else do anything, you know, special outside of dancing practice with the team or had done?
Okay. Well, let's go on to um, Donna's question, or Atira, Atira Donna. Um, what would you say to your dance leader and other dancers to get them to value your time by starting dance practice on time? Uh-huh. Uh, I would share the story of my my dance leader in in jest. I would probably not dance leader, dance teacher. When you're <clears throat> sorry, I think you all heard the story, but when he used to start class late because nobody showed up until 10 minutes, 15 minutes late. So he ended up moving the class time 15 minutes later. And he did that like three times in one year until it was like an hour later. Just like, and then after a while, it was like, well, nobody comes at the morning class. You, you guys go with the kids, you know. So I, I used to tell him, you know, if you just started right on time, then, you know, people would be there on time. You know, if you said, if you just started on time and they missed plies, you know, they missed an important warm-up, you know. So um, anyway, I would probably share, you know, a funny story or um, – but seriously, though, what what would you say to a dance leader who always comes in late um, and how would you get her to value your time by, you know, encouraging her to start practice on time? <laughs> I'd – kind of joked around with her. I was just joking. Seriously, I would not do this. I know this is recorded. I just, I'm just joking here. <laughs> so, but everybody could leave 10 minutes early. Sorry, we, we just, you know, we have to go home. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't say that. But um, so seriously, though, what, what would you say to a dance leader to encourage her to be there on time? Anybody? You know, I can only think of what you were saying. It's like if you knew the dance leader, you could actually be that way. I wouldn't do that in front of the team, but mm-hmm. you actually could do that. But our pastors say if you are early, you're on time. If you're on uh-huh. time and if you're late, it's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And have that where that goes for everybody. And if right. you really lead the teacher, it's like, um, you know, here, this, how are we supposed to be, you know, leading? How are we supposed to follow somebody who's not being a really good example? Mm-hmm. You know, it's late and everybody else is going to be late. But, you know, mm-hmm. this just the ex, ex, excerpts out of your book and just, you know, if you have the ability, pull her aside and say, you know, hmm. Really, we have to start on time and end on time. Mm-hmm. Wait, it yeah. is. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's respectful, and somehow you got to get that across. Especially if you know her, I would do what you said. But you know, <laughs> yeah, that's hard. No, I, I was just kind of joking, but um, you know, because you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, and you want to be respectful. Um, you know, but maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't know if this would even be appropriate. Maybe say, you know, would you mind if I came next week at about quarter after? Um, I really could use that extra 15 minutes to spend with my kids to help them with their homework. And, um, you know, we don't start until 15 after anyhow. So, you know, is that okay with you if I just come about 15 minutes late um, each week? I, I think 
you know, having that extra time with my kids would be really helpful. Um, I, I don't know. That's, that may be too snide. I, I don't know if that's even nice. I'd have to pray about it. I don't think I would say anything until I bathed myself in prayer. Um, you know, that's, I, I, that's a tough one because you, you're not the leader, you know. It's, it's usually the other way around. Usually the dance leader is waiting for people who come in late. So it's, it's kind of really awkward when the dance leader is late, you know, consistently. I don't know. Hmm. You know, what may naturally happen is people would just naturally start coming later themselves because they would figure, well, they don't start until quarter after anyhow, so why should I be there? I, I kind of feel that way with doctor's appointments. You know, you go into your appointments at 8 a.m., and, you you know, you get up extra early, and you drive for a half hour, and you get there on time at 8 o'clock, and then you're not seen until, like, 9.45. And it's like, well, just make my appointment 9.45, you know? <laughs> why should I get up at 6 and drive all the way over here and sit for an hour and 45? I could be sitting at home and getting work done, you know? Um, so... I think people would probably naturally start coming later, and then that may make her question people, and then then may be the, the time to talk about it in a loving, delicate, respectful way. I don't know. Does, does anybody else have any thoughts on that? I have two ideas. One, I don't know if this would be, you know, it depends on who you are in your relationship, but one would be to to ask, would it be okay if I started the warm-up? Because I, I mean, usually people who are chronically late, they know they're chronically late. Like, they'll describe themselves that way. And uh-huh. it seems like a lot of people like that do not change. Um, so one thing might be to say, hey, I noticed, you know, I'm usually there. Well, you know, how would you feel about me starting the warm-up? That might not, it might not be okay, but it's one possibility. The other mm-hmm. is just to bring a book or, do, you know, when I'm, to do something so that you can use that time if it's going to be that way. Um, so at least mm-hmm. you're not feeling resentful where you've got, okay, mm-hmm. I, I need to be there on time because it's in me to be there on time. But mm-hmm. rather than sitting there, I've got something that I know, some way to use the time. Mm, that's good. That's a great idea. Yeah. No, no, that's good. Thank you. Oh, that was a tough one. <laughs> All right. Um, this is Susan Finley's question. For the June creative assignment, do you want us to choreograph a whole dance or just a portion? Oh, dear. I guess you guys have already done it. Um, it, You know, a portion would have been just fine, although we always desire to see more. You know, I mean, I think think the assignment read um, like four counts of eight utilizing the concepts. So showing some choreographed movements, dance moves, to the concepts and you know music or not you know as long as I see the concepts and it flows like a dance for about four to eight counts but we usually when we start to see that we desire to see the rest of the dance so the assignment was that you only need four to eight counts but if you want to do the whole dance that's great so but I think everybody's all finished with it anyway so okay this is Skipped one. Um, <clears throat> okay. What? Oh, this is Susan Finley's question. What are some tips you can give regarding starting a community praise dance team? Um, 
Let's see. Who would like to share about that? Anybody have some thoughts on community dance team? Alicia? How about you? Are you still there? Alicia's not there anymore. Hello, I'm here. Yes. Oh, have you any ideas about um, starting a community praise dance team? Would you like to share? For uh, for a community praise dance group, um, I think it it you definitely have to layer the project in prayer. Um, Connecting and getting to know, um, you know, other dance ministries in your area by attending their events and just building those relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, um, you know, sharing what your what your your vision is um, to see, you know, if there are others that want to impact their community in that way. I think also finding um, activities or events in your community or your region. Um, is a very good way because you'll find like-minded individuals or, again, if there's a parade or some type of um, praise in the park or something, you may be able to gather dancers that can come together and um, start fellowshipping and worshiping in that that kind of atmosphere. And from there it can develop into a stronger um, dance troupe or, you know, something where you're meeting monthly and you're, you know, training together and doing, um, you know, uh, technique and then preparing for other events. But I think really just putting the word out there and um, trying to gather if there's a, some type of event or something, you're looking for like-minded individuals that may want to impact their community or their region um, in that aspect. And, again, fellowshipping um, whenever there's an opportunity um, for maybe church events or something that um, has many people coming from other churches. You can find right. people that way as well. Yeah. Excellent. That's good. It's funny because that's exactly what I did back in the 90s um, without trying. I mean, in other words, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to create a community team, but I kind of essentially had one because I would go to, like, the Feast of Tabernacles uh, where there was always dancing and through dancers from all over. And, you know, so I fellowshiped with all of them and, you know, I would go to different conferences, I'd meet people there, or I'd go to, if somebody was doing a special dance at their church, I would go visit, you know. So I was kind of really networking quite a bit, but I didn't have, you know, the goal or purpose in mind to start anything. But it just always seemed like when there was an event in our community, the leaders of the community would ask me to choreograph it, and then I would just call all those people that I had met you know, I'd get in touch with them, and we'd all just show up, and everybody would come to practice, and we'd just practice the dances. So it was kind of funny, because I had a community dance team back, back then, but I just never, you know, called it that. <laughs> I just never realized that, you know, I actually had, you know, kind of, but there was, I mean, I could call on a whole bunch of people all at once, and we could all get together for, like, the March to Jesus, or, um the uh, we called it the Thanksgiving celebration, and you know we got together and did things, you know, 
tabernacles and um yeah, just and then I was able to coordinate um the dancers in my area for the Ron Canoli video. Um and I did help the auditions and everything and sent the video to, you know, so by networking with my community down there, um you know, we were able to just accomplish a whole lot. But it's kind of funny because I didn't have that goal. <laughs> you know, I didn't have a goal to start a community team. It just kind of happened. But, um, but yeah, that's good. And bathing in a prayer, if you're going to do an official kind of a, you know, team and you have purpose and a goal and a vision to minister in certain areas and things like that. Um, yeah, that's excellent. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I already did that. Um, okay. Kathleen? Uh, yes. It's really, I'm sorry, I just wanted to say one more thing. I think it's just, like you said, it's so important to first have a heart for your community and getting out there and fellowshipping and making those relationships first before you just say, I want to make community dance community. You know, no one knows you or you don't have a place to start. So if you feel the Lord leading you in that direction, just start to fellowship, um, you know, with other people. Go to those types of events where other churches and worshipers are gathering together and you'll start to make those friendships and one thing will lead to another. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, God will just start opening the doors. So, yeah, that's awesome. All right, um, this is Linda Palmer's question. What is the best age of children to use in a flag team? <sighs> well, let's see. Who who does flags with children? Does anybody here do flag um, things with children? Or it's like she wants to have the kids as part of the flag team. Okay, she's asking what's a, probably what's a good age to start having children in the flag team. Um, I, I presume maybe it's adults on the team, and maybe she's asking what's, what's the youngest age child to be included in the team, maybe. Um, so I don't know. Anybody have any experience with that? Kids on a flag team. Regina, do you um do your kids on your team uh, work with flags? Yes, they do. Um, my my specific group starts at um at nine, but sometimes hmm. our little blessings group they use flags like lightweight ones. Um, it's just a matter of how, um, yes, how, how, if they're, if you think they're able to work with them and learn the skill with the flags. Because mm-hmm. that's the, that's group, they are, the youngest person there, I mean, the youngest person there that was using a flag was seven. And it was oh, like wow. a mm-hmm. flag, um, oh, but in, in small flags, not big ones, but they oh, were wow. able to. To do it. We don't actually have a flag team, but we incorporate flags in our dances. Sure. Mm-hmm. So seven is your youngest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen I've seen little teeny. I've seen at churches where the little teeny kids, you know, three and four, are up, up in the front with almost like pennant flags, you know. And I've heard people say, um, if you sew little flags for little little ones. Um, of course, you make the poles really small, but cover the material, have the material cover the pole in its entirety. So they hold on to the, you know, the pole, you know, by holding on to the material, you know, um, so they don't hurt themselves or others or whatever. But, um, 
But, yeah, as far as actual choreography and a team and things like that, um, seven or eight is probably a good age. Um, yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you. All right. Let's see. Um, okay. We've got another one. Whoops. Nope, that's in question. I must have moved it over there twice. Okay, let's see. Here is, okay, this is Mary's question. What can a dance leader do when she knows it's time to start a dance ministry in the church and the pastor has given his or her permission, but all of a sudden the people who were asking for the dance ministry to begin start fading away one by one? Each one has a different reason for not availing themselves for the initial meeting so that they can decide what day and time works best for them. Um, each one has a different reason for not availing themselves for the initial meeting um, that they can decide what day and time works for them. Yeah, so, um, okay. all right. So it sounds like people wanted a dance team, but when she got permission and she set it up and everything would go, then the people started disappearing. Um, and it looks like, for the first meeting that they had, nobody came to voice an opinion about when they should have practice and things like that. So what I would say is if it was in your heart and you feel like God was showing you to start a team in the church and you've got permission, you've got the night of the week or whatever, the time to practice, um, and people don't come, I would still be faithful to begin and stick with it. Um, and also the same people that didn't come to the first planning meeting to help decide what day the um, meeting should be, um, I would, you know, pray about, of course, and talk with the pastor and leadership and everything of when would be a good time to have the meeting and stick with that. <coughs> and all those ones that missed, <coughs> sorry, missed the meeting, when they say, oh, if you could only have it on Thursday, I would come, you know, and, and they'll, they'll try to persuade you to have it on a convenient night for them. Those are the very ones that would probably not show up to that day that they suggested if you were to change it. But if you stick with what God showed you and what you've got permission for and what's in your heart and you're consistent with it, and you show up all the time, and, you know, you still promote it and everything, put it in the bulletin or, you know, put out flyers or talk to people or whatever, uh, then, you know, God's going to bring the people, and he'll bring the ones that have the right heart, that have the same vision, that want to connect with you, that want to move forward with the dance ministry. So don't let the waning few distract you or take away from the call in your heart to do the dance ministry in the church. Because God will, you know, um, what was that saying? What, what God, oh, I can't remember. Something like what God wills, he pays the bill or something like that. <laughs> but it's the same kind of thing. If he's, if it's God's desire to have, um, you know, have you do that ministry, he'll provide the people as well, um, as long as you're consistent. Um, okay. Oh, this is another question for Mary. Um, what do you do when all around you seems to be crumbling down and everything is overwhelming you, including the school? You have tried prioritizing, reshuffling, and nothing seems to work. 
I would just take a step back and pray and spend some time in worship. I think it was John Wesley. It's either John Wesley or, or Martin Luther who said, I have an extra amount of work today. I have a lot of work to do today. I need to take extra time in prayer. You know, so the, the spiritual thought is, you know, spend more time with God. And the worldly philosophy is, oh, there's not enough time for God because I've got so much to do. But, you know, the, the great, you know, fathers of, um, you know, founders of certain uh, denominations or whatnot spent more time with God um, when they had more to do. And, you know, God then will show you how to do it and how to organize. That's like, I don't know what I'd do without my morning prayer time. I, You know, that's how I get my day going. And if I don't do that, I'm just scattered. I'm all over the place. But, you know, when I focus, have my prayer time, worship time, word, then I quiet myself, quiet my mind, and focus on the Lord. And, you know, the whole day just flows. And um, so I, I know that you're, Mary, you're a prayer warrior and intercessor and, and all, but, um, you know, it, it could be like John Wesley said or, or Martin Luther, I forget which one, you know, today I have more to do, so I'm going to spend more time in prayer. So you might want to consider just either getting up a little earlier and just spend that focused time in worship and prayer and, and see that God will order your steps. And um, it, I think that would work. <laughs> um, just a thought. Uh, and you might want to try to write things down. I I used to have a list in my computer, and that works pretty well. But I still like to handwrite a list of things to do, and then I like to see that line go through it when I get it done. <laughs> so, and um, you know, I like to do small, bite-sized, manageable projects that I know that I can accomplish within a certain period of time. Like before lunch, I know I need to get these emails out for this particular conference. I need to work on this particular music list, you know, this playlist for the conference. And that's all I'm going to do for that conference today. And I need to get all that done before lunch. And then after lunch, I'm going to do all the emails, you know, or whatever. And, you know, so just doing things in bite-sized chunks that, you know, reasonable, realistic, accomplishable goals, um, set them and then do them, and then it feels good when you get it done. So um, anyway, all right, a couple more, a few more questions. Um, this is Maribel's question. Is the Worshiping Bride assignment separate from the creative assignment. Um, creative assignment, let me think, what was the creative assignment? So the worshiping bride, let's see, I, I'm, I'm almost certain that it is separate. Let me see what the creative assignment, I've forgotten already. Um, maybe somebody in level two, can you help me out here? Is the, the crea- yeah, no, the creative Yes, assignment. they are separate. Yeah, they're definitely separate, yeah, for sure. The worshiping bride is, um, you study, you know, a chapter, and then you create an activation to kind of seal the word. And the activation, um, you know, like maybe there's 
something in that story that means something to you, you know, something that jumps out at you. And then you ask the Lord to show you what you would do with a group of people, maybe in a retreat or a conference type setting to um, like, you know, something using cloths or using flags or some kind of creative exercise that relates to that message. Not, it's not like, okay, I'm going to choreograph a dance. It has nothing to do with that. It's like, um, for example, let's say the, the story was about, you know, the cleansing and purification and cleansing fire. So your activation for the group might be a fire tunnel. You know, have everybody get flags and make a tunnel of flags, and then they go through and they ask the Lord and to cleanse them and let the cleansing fire, you know, cleanse them of any unrighteousness before they enter the Holy of Holies, something to that effect. So, so it's not about choreographing a dance or something like that. It's, it's more something that relates to the story or the chapter in the book and that is, um, you know, an activation that the group can do that heard the story. Um, and then the creative assignment, I don't have it in front of me, but that, yeah, that's totally different. Um, good question, though. All right. Um, and now this one is, this is Cicely Santos' question for the students. Has there ever been a time where you, as a dance ministry leader, were training someone else to teach a dance and you could tell the other members weren't too kind to that person? And how did you address it? Um, Has anybody experienced that where you kind of um, gave the reins over temporarily to an assistant or somebody else on the team and the rest of the team didn't really take, didn't, um, weren't too kind to that person and whatnot. They kind of maybe resented um, somebody else being the leader over them when they were peers just last week. Um, so has anybody experienced that? Or if you haven't personally experienced it, what do you think you would do? How would you, she's asking, how would you address, I guess, the team who is not being nice to the assistant that you chose? How would you handle that whole situation? I think this is similar to one of those things we do with the Team Terrificus exercise um, at the conference. Uh, it was a very similar situation to this. And um, I've seen one group, how they handled it. They, um, they introduced or they kind of prepped the team ahead of time as, um, you know, there may be a time where I might go away or I might have to have somebody um, stand in my place, you know, periodically. And um, so I'm praying about, you know, someone from one of you all to, you know, come up or I may, you know, have you take turns. I might pick a couple of you, something like that, and um, to come up with something and teach them how 
that that will not only train them, but it will also show the fruit of the spirit or give the rest of the team opportunity to, you know, to show the fruit of the spirit and towards the person that does get chosen. So I think prepping the team ahead of time would really help so that they'd be prepared for that. And if the leader tells the team to really, okay, let's rally around this person. We're going to really support and encourage her. I'm really excited for this opportunity that she has. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be a day where, you know, you'll get to do this too. And let's let's just, you know, really um, give her all your love and support and prayers as um, she does this because I'm sure it's, you know, a little nerve-wracking and, you know, but let's, let's support and encourage her in this. And so, you know, lots and lots of preparation, lots of positive encouraging talk, uh, encouraging them to encourage her and that kind of thing. Um, you know, let's hold up her arms, just like, you know, Moses, uh, you know, at Rapidium and all that, you know, just really let's, let's hold up this person's arm. So I think a lot of prep talk would alleviate a lot of problems. Um, so that everybody's kind of on board and excited about it rather than, you know, it's being sprung on them and they, you know, are like, hey, I don't understand and I, you know, don't like this. So it's just um, a thought. Okay, this is Maribel's question. Um, How long do you give a new team member to get garments for presentation and praise and worship on Sundays? We have two new members, and it's been hard trying to help them with garments. When and how should one tell them it's time to get your own garments? Um, Well, a lot of teams, a lot of places will have kind of a probationary period anyhow, um, and different people have different time frames before the person who joins the team can actually, you know, dance on a Sunday or be in a presentation. And they have, you know, guidelines already written out that let's say, for example, it doesn't have to be this time frame or anything. I'm just using it as an example. But let's say you have um, the probationary period, so to speak, is three months. And in that three months, you get to come to practice, you observe, you can learn the dances, but not necessarily be in them just yet. You can learn all the steps. You can participate in our discussions. You know, you're, you're part of the team, but this gives you opportunity to see if you want to really pursue this because in pursuing this, it means that you will need to buy ballet shoes, let's say. You will need to buy a, this particular starting garment, you know, this base foundation garment, things like that. So by by the third month, if you decide that you definitely want to be a part of the team, you will have had three months to get your garments, to get your shoes and all that. Or, or say, you know, by the end of three months, you need to have these garments to be a part of, you know, the team and everything. So that gives them time to, you know, prepare, to save, to buy you know, and all that. So they don't have to all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, I've got to spend $100 or, you know, $200 or whatever, you know, to get whatever. Um, They have time to kind of pray about it, think about it, save, um, put money aside and things like that. Um, But anyway, that's if you've got that probationary period, you've got it written down. It's something that they sign, you know, along with any other kind of 
um, time frame requirements or, you know, you have to be to so many practices in order to be in the dance and that kind of thing. So um, it's important to have these kind of guidelines. But back to this particular situation, how long do you give a new team member to get garments for the presentation? So in her case, you know, she's already a part of the team and but she doesn't um or they i guess have a hard time um getting garments and how should one tell them that it's time to get your own so they're probably borrowing garments from others on the team or something um, so uh that there's so much that gets solved before it even happens when you have those guidelines you know when you have guidelines already written up and ready to go so that when somebody new comes in, um, they know it. They just know that, okay, this is what's required of me. So, um, but if you don't have the guidelines, how do you say it to them? Um, you just say, hey, you know, um, are you about ready to get some garments? We'd love to see you, you know, dance with us with your own garments. Um, is there some way we can help you? Would you like us to do you know, or if they say, well, I can't afford it or something like that, well, can we help you? Can we do a fundraiser and, you know, have any ideas of how we could help you raise the money to get the garments or whatever? Because it would be really nice if, if everybody had their own and we could, you know, um, really look nice as a team or something like that. So, you know, just offering help somehow and nice suggestions, you know, and love is always nice. Um, so, all right, it is 10 till... Um, let's see. All right, let me just put this these over here before I forget. Um, hold on. Let me just highlight that and scoot them over here so I know we got them. Okay, good. All right, now um, we have a phone chat next Sunday and the Sunday after, um, and then also on. Let's see. Okay, we have it on the ninth, the sixteenth, and the thirtieth. 23rd, I'll be in um, Fargo, North Dakota. Um, so I appreciate your prayers on that. Um, now, again, the chats are not required, um, but I love hearing you guys talk. I know I talked a lot tonight, but I was trying to get through a lot of the questions. But I really, really appreciate your input. Um, and so it's really nice to have you on the chat if you're able to make it. I'm, the only reason I'm adding extra chats is because there are so many questions that I want to make sure that we get to all of them before you graduate. <laughs> so um, speaking of graduation, <clears throat> the early savings cutoff for the graduation, um, I believe without looking it up, I think I remember reading it was either the 6th or the 7th of August. And the reason it's so early is because the seamstress needs to get started on sewing the garments. We have quite a few people already registered for the graduation conference. Um, but if you're, you know, you're pretty sure you're going to graduate, and I'm pretty sure you are too, <laughs> um, you may want to start praying about it and look up the information about it and, you know, see. Um, you don't want to wait until the last minute. And there is a particular day, I don't, again, I don't have it in front of me, but there's a particular day that if you register after that particular day, then there's no more garments. You know, you would have to buy it at the location, and there's no guarantee that they'd have your size, that she would have your size. Um, and 
she's going to make a few extra streamers and sell them at the conference, um, but there's no guarantee there's going to be enough. So it would be really, really helpful to try to register early for that. And um, the graduation conference is so much fun. It's, it's like a family reunion <laughs> because you will have been seeing each other's uploads all year and it's like you finally get to meet each other if you hadn't already at a conference and it's just really fun. And then um, we're all going to go out to Ryan's afterwards all on your own, um, you know, just so I think it's like, I don't know, 16 or $17 maybe for the all you can eat, you know, and so we all like to go over there and fellowship afterwards and it's just really, really fun. And, you know, I'll get to be a part of the video production for the streams and streamers. And um, so, but just just kind of be aware of that, be thinking toward along those lines. Um, there's this, this kind of like extra early uh, registration for it, only because she has to sew a lot of overlays and she has to sew a lot of streamers. So the earlier you can register for that, the better. Um, so, and it's, it's just so much fun. So be in prayer for me this weekend. I'm going to be teaching at the dance studio where I take classes. So, um, I'm just really, really excited about it. A lot of the, um, students and teachers and the artistic director from the actual studio are coming for my Saturday modern dance class. So, um, I'm just really, really excited about that. And, you know, I just, really want us to, you know, just show the light of Jesus, you know, just to show the light of the Lord, um, shine, shine Jesus in, in this place, you know, and um, I'm believing that lots of seed planting will take place. And um, then for those who, you know, are already Christians who are coming to the conference, I'm just believing for um, mighty move of God that you know, people's hearts would really be touched and changed and transformed. And I'm just so excited about this conference. I've been praying about it for a long time and thinking about it and, and preparing. So um, if you all just remember me in prayer this weekend, it's the 7th and 8th. Um, so it could use lots of intercession because there, there may be some, you know, unsaved people there, especially on Saturday morning. And, um, you know, there may be some unsaved that are coming to the actual conference. So, I'm just believing God's going to really touch people's hearts and Holy Spirit's going to convict and um, that, you know, maybe even people come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I'm just, you know, if nothing else, hoping and believing for um, good seed planting there that weekend. So um, anyway, um, I can't think of any other announcements. Everybody's doing really well on their uploads. I am really, really, really far behind in, in trying to watch them, and I'm trying to accept the fact that I just can't watch them. I've been trying to accept it all year. It's just really hard for me. So I'll try to pick and choose. You know, um, I try to watch like some, you know, one of somebody's um, videos, and I try to read. You know, just pick and choose kind of, you know, essays and whatnot. So, um, and it really helps me to get to know you some by reading the essays and watching the uploads. I'm just, I just realized I have to just come to realization that I can't. And when the school grows, I definitely can't watch everybody's all the time. So, um, but anyway, 
but you guys are doing fantastic and um, just really proud of how you're, you're grasping the, um, the, the concepts and incorporating them into your uploads and it's just been wonderful. I'm just really proud of you. So um, anyway, um, let's see. Christine Kovacs, are you still with us? Yes, I'm here. Have you closed her up into prayer before? No. Oh. I'm scared. Did you know I could ask you or something? <laughs> oh, I just heard my name. Oh. <laughs> anyway, okay. Well, I guess I'm just talking to God for all of us, right? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but anyway, real quick before you do, um, just thank you guys for being on the call tonight. I really appreciate it. And I hope I can, um, well, I'll see some of you at the conference this weekend. And I look forward to seeing some others of you in Atlanta and other places. So um, you be blessed. Keep up the good work. And um, go ahead, uh, Christine. Just okay. close it to prayer. Okay. Lord, I want to tell you right now that I really appreciate all these women that are pulling together and that are learning more and more about how to worship you and dance. And Lord, we thank you so much for bringing Pastor Lynn into our lives that she can lead us and give us guidance and wisdom to help us fight those battles and help us to do a good job for others and to bring others closer to you. And Lord, um, we ask you to go with every person that hears this uh, chat tonight and keep them encouraged and um, keep the enemy away from their minds and let them go forth. And, and during this time, let us feel your joy and your love and your kindness as you guide us through these classes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Beautiful. All right, you all be blessed, and we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details.